So the big question is this. How are successful everyday athletes over 30 like us who work hard, who don't have much time and who are always having to juggle life and family? How are we able to live a pain-free athletic lifestyle? How do we train? What do we eat? And what do we do different that allows us to get the most out of life but still have time for all our hobbies, family and friends? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. Welcome to the Fit Over 30 podcast. Welcome to the Fit Over 30 podcast. I'm your host, Josh Kennedy, and with me from deepest, darkest Wales is uh, James Breeze. James, are you there? I am indeed. Hello. Excellent, excellent. Uh, but much more importantly, uh, with me today is a man who never fails to inspire me, blow my mind. Uh, he's been on the podcast so many times now that I think he should probably get his own little guest segment, really. It's the man behind Stop Chasing Pain. It's Dr. Perry Nicholson. Perry, my man, welcome. How are you doing? Hey guys, I'm doing awesome. I'm coming from the deepest, darkest parts of New Jersey. So <laughs> it's great to be back on this show. Thank you so much for having me. Ah, uh, you're welcome. It's uh, it's great to have you on. How was your uh, How was your New Year, Christmas? It was great. You know, I mean, uh, everybody's doing the best they can. I guess, right? Absolutely, absolutely. We. We had a chat off air and we we're all a little bit miserable, weren't we? It was like talking about how, how messed up the world currently is and uh, politics and all sorts of stuff. So let's let's try and be, uh, we'll try our best to be positive and happy, shall we, guys? Well, it's, yeah, it's a little bit stressful out there for sure. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Let's try to do that. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just, just going to be miserable at AF. That's all I'm going to be. I'm going to be miserable for the whole podcast. How's that uh, sound? Thanks, thanks, James. Just You're ruin welcome. it for everyone. <laughs> You're Why welcome. You absolutely ruin it. Bar humbug. <laughs> right uh let's crack on so today as i mentioned perry we're going to be talking mostly about uh gut brain axis uh, and connection and how this plays a, a vital role in overall health you've just recently done an article in the last strength matters magazine in january about guts and brains go together it was a great article as always however before we jump into that I caught a bit of your podcast with uh, Dave Asprey, was it? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go back and listen to the rest of it. But um, what I did listen to was uh, was really, really cool. And um, you were saying that Dave was a, a big influence on, on you and your work. And um, you've had, without a shadow of a doubt, and James will attest to this, you know, a huge influence and inspiration for the way James and I work and the things we do at Strength Matters. You've informed a hell of a lot of our work over the years. Has he not, James? Yep, absolutely, 100%. So I wanted to know, Perry, who else have been your the biggest impact on you, biggest inspiration for you? Well, I'm going to give right back to you guys. Both of you have, honestly. Ah, you know, I do. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I mean, you should step back because you do a lot yourselves to inspire other people, and you're putting out this great podcast, and then your magazine, and just helping people try to live a better quality life and be happier, and learn to move and do basics and fundamentals. And I think that I like to consider myself forever a student. I mm. learn from all different disciplines, all different types of people and all oh, different yeah, that's, levels, that's the best way, all different levels as well. You know, that's something that I, I try to teach people is that the further you go along, you feel like, Oh, you know, I mean, I need to learn from like the experts and the gurus. And I'm like, mm. you know, it's a lot to be said for going back and, you know, working with people that are just beginning, because I read a quote somewhere that, that I loved. It was, I forgot the exact way that it went, but it, it's great when you work with novices because they don't know what can't be done yet, mm. which means that you, when you go further along, people always 
give these parameters on you of what's possible and what's impossible. And that's the fastest way to shut down discovery is losing possibility, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's the way I look at it. And plus, when you can go back and work with somebody just starting out, you realize how critical those basics and those fundamentals are that people either have a tendency to overlook or they want to move on to the the more important, really cool, shiny, new stuff, (laughs) not realizing that what they've already been through is what's going to take you to that mastery. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny you should say that because I think I've definitely over the years we've been coaching with with James had questions from clients who are as you say they're beginners novices they don't they don't really know but this made me go oh you know what I've I haven't thought about it like that before I'm gonna have to uh go away and do some research and come back to you on that and it just as you say it opens up your eyes another perspective it's something called I call the curse of knowledge Perry you, you've I've heard you mention this before we've had conversations about this before about certain different things but I've you know like I said it is there's I, I totally agree with you there is something amazing when you work with a complete novice because they do. It's so fun. They're, they're looking their face. Like We've got a couple of people at the moment who are they're doing strength training for the first ever time. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh my God, I feel so great for doing this. Or they're discovering something new, new about nutrition. It's the look on their face and the buzz and the excitement they get that you kind of forget. And I, I'm kind of getting more of a kick out of that at the moment, actually. And you're right. You know, There's a lot of people who have what I call the curse of knowledge when they, they, they're so well-educated. They've done so much over the years but sometimes they forget what it's like to be back at the beginning and be a novice. And sometimes they're so far away from their own knowledge that they struggle to help these new people again sometimes. And that's what we try and bring ourselves back to every single time. It's like, what's it like for a beginner? How do we make this as simple as possible for a beginner to do things? So, but yeah, no, I'm with you on that front hundred percent. Yeah. Well said. I, I agree with you on that one for sure. You know, we have so much information out there, but very little knowledge. That's not the same thing. And the further you get along, the more complicated you make everything. And then, you know, when you try to explain what you know to somebody who's just beginning, they look at you like you're a Martian. They don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> even yeah. though to you, it seems very simple and very basic. And we covered that before we started recording that a basic and fundamental to you might be like rocket surgery to somebody else. Because your parameters mm-hmm. of basics and fundamentals have changed the further you go along. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so I always practice that. So I studied martial arts for decades. So I always go back to basics and fundamental movements that I do every single day because that's the foundation for all of my more complicated things that I want to put together later. Yeah, cool. I think we're um we're all former martial artists on this podcast, right? Yeah, I think so. Well, I say Krav Magars my not technically martial art, but isn't it? Um, what what's it classed as if it's not self defense system? Is that not Pretty much the same. I we kind of if we, if we get into the, now we're getting to the particular so specifics now. Yeah, there'll be particularly purists out there who will argue differently. I guarantee you. I apologise to Krav Maga purists. Nothing to come back on that, James. No, nope, okay, nothing, <laughs> nothing at all. Just, just you're on your own. Thought you might want to defend Krav Maga there. Anyway, nope. yes, we are all uh, martial artists. I would one day. I've said this to you before, James. You still haven't helped me. Go back to get back to jujitsu when the world opens up again. Perhaps we'll do that. Anyway. Talking about keeping things simple, the whole gut-brain axis that we're, that we're going to be talking about can be a complicated subject. And I, so, Perry, I rely on you to keep this as simple as possible, make it easy for people. Uh, before we go into that, I thought it might be good if you 
touch on your body ecosystem hierarchy, uh, explain what that is and, and then where the gut falls within that. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, you know, nothing's more terrifying than the idea of unlimited possibilities. That's one of my favorite quotes. And that's what it's like with the human body in relationship to why we may get sick or why have pain. It could be for (laughs) so many reasons. It's overwhelming. You're like, I don't even know where to start, but Mm. you have to start somewhere, right? From, From some framework. And sometimes you get it right, sometimes you get it wrong, but at least you have a place to start from. So over the course of my, geez, I think it's been 23 years now in in healthcare of trying to figure out why people stay in chronic pain or we get Mm. all these autoimmune diseases and even going through my own autoimmune disease of why it's such a struggle. I was trying to put this map together, a landscape together of the body. And I came up with uh, something that's worked very well for me over the course of the last five years since I was first uh, diagnosed with my uh, autoimmune disease and and my quest to recover from that. And um, I call it the body ecosystem hierarchy. And basically, let me explain what that means. So the ecosystem is a very important word because that means Everything in an ecosystem like nature works together, not against each other. And you can't isolate a single thing in nature because something is always influenced by something else in nature. And it's the Mm. same thing with the body where we have all of these systems in our body from the digestive system to the nervous system to the immune system to the musculoskeletal system. And then what we tend to do is break those things down into individual components and just study those systems and become experts in individual systems. Mm. And meanwhile, we forget that no such thing exists. You, you can't just study the musculoskeletal system because it doesn't work by itself. And it, it's about interactions and relationships and no system in the body ever works alone. And when you get an injury to one, there's never just an injury to one. It's all of them. And if you want to heal, you need to see how all of them are working together. So the important thing there is about interactions and relationships and with the ecosystem. And we'll talk about that in a moment between, okay, well, I've got my gut, which are my intestines, my small intestine, my large intestine, and my stomach. And people are going to say, what in the world does that have to do with my brain? It's in my head. It's got everything to do with it. Because first of all, your body doesn't know it has a brain and a stomach. It just knows that it's <laughs> one, one thing. So they're not separated, even though they are in, in textbooks and on paper and stuff like that. Yeah. And a hierarchy means it's a tiered system of importance. And basically, what I try to tell people is that every system in your body is important. Otherwise, it wouldn't be there. Like nature is pretty smart. Whatever you believe in in this cosmic universe that put you together is an intelligence to it. And it never puts anything in you by accident, even though we might not know what it's there for or why it's doing what it's doing. But it also leads me back to one of my favorite quotes is that the human body is under no obligation to make sense to you. Like it doesn't <laughs> care. It doesn't care whether you understand why it chose to do this to your foot or your ankle or anything else. Yeah. Like the tough cookies. So 
the hierarchy is basically a tiered system that I've put together based on on my experience of every system is important, but some are a little bit more important than others in relationship to one thing. So when you study when you study the body and you study the brain and you study all these different systems, there's really only one goal that your body has every day. And it's not happiness and joy. It's don't die. And that's a good day. Survival (laughs) is the name of the game. If you're not dead today, then it's a good day, regardless of if you're happy or not, because then we'll worry about happiness tomorrow because at least you're still breathing. So my hierarchy is based on that, that if you have a problem with a body system, if something goes wrong with that system, then the more likely it is for you to die faster. If that's the case, then it becomes, in my viewpoint, it becomes more important to your body overall because it says to itself, listen, guys, I appreciate that the ankle hurts and it really sucks. But you can live with an ankle that sucks, Mm. but you ain't going to last long if your liver goes. So the liver is way more important than your damn ankle. And what it does in my world is that your body will sacrifice the ankle in any way, shape, or form in order to protect your liver. That's basically the the approach that I do. And then it just, it takes, it takes from this point, it takes from that point to feed the more important systems. And once you look at it like that, you're thinking, okay, well, if I know these systems don't want to die, then what do they need to do working together to make sure that doesn't happen? And that's kind of where I focus now on a lot less musculoskeletal stuff, mm-hmm. like, okay, my knee hurts and my back hurts and my elbow hurts and stuff like that. I go more for these other systems of the body that people are not really paying attention to, hence. Yeah, like your gut and and like your brain because they both go together. Absolutely. So hopefully, all that made sense. But basically, the takeaway from this is is that I have a chart on my wall with nine different systems on it, and it's from one to nine. And anything near number one is more important than anything near number nine. So I always treat you in my office at nine at the bottom, and I treat you at one at the top, and I try to meet you in the middle. Cool. That's what we do. Yeah, that makes sense. Hopefully it made sense to the uh, listeners out there. So as you say, number nine, local tissue injury site. So I think most people would have an idea of how they could potentially treat an injury with whatever that might be, massage, stretching, ice pack, w- whatever it is. But mm-hmm. the other end, brain, number two, lymphatics, number three, guts. That's that's a little bit more complicated on how and, how and where you start with that. So can you just talk, <coughs> just explain a little bit more about the, the gut-brain axis, how it sort of works on a biological neurological level and then we can go on to talking about how you may start approaching treating that well you could go really in some deep rabbit holes here but, go down as uh, many as you uh, want yeah. it's fine <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna take it way back to embryology so embryology is something that i love to study overall because if you want to try to understand how a complex system which is the human body it's complex but it's not complicated if you want to understand a complex system, you should go back and study how it developed. That makes sense, right? Like, okay, yeah. well, why are we the way we are? And then if you go back to the beginning, right, you had mom and dad come together and then you make an embryo, right? You make a fetus. And last time I checked, we all used 
to be that at some point. <laughs> so this this is a universal law. It's like, oh, my gut doesn't relate to my brain. Yes, it does. If you're on this planet, James, didn't you come from a Welsh egg? No. Yeah, Welsh dragon egg. Welsh yeah, dragon egg. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to make a sheep joke there, but that was terrible. And so if you go back to embryology, I make it very simple. I say everything that is far apart now on you used to be really close together because you used to be the size of a pinhead. Nobody could see you. But you just grew bigger. And then everything that was close together now is further apart. And everything that is big on you now used to be really super small. But it's the same parts, right? And all these things that you have on your body have different names that are freaking arbitrary, which means that (laughs) they're man-made. Like, you know, humans gave it a name, right? And I always joke around when I teach that I really don't care about body part names at all. I just want you to understand how these things relate to each other because knowing the name of a body part doesn't mean you have any idea what to do with it. So let's say, for instance, like I always joke and say, you could call your talus in your ankle, you could call that a blow dryer. I don't care what the (laughs) hell you call it. The name doesn't mean squat. I want you to know how that blow dryer relates to the one on the right relates to the one on the left. You follow? So I don't know where you've got that from, but I like it. I think we should change all anatomy books from now on. (laughs) Well, that's the point. Like the name doesn't matter. (laughs) <laughs> the name doesn't matter. It's understanding the relationships yeah. between the names, right? Yeah. So that's my point, is that people get so overwhelmed with the names of things and the information of things, but they don't understand how all these parts relate to each other. Because people message me all the time, Doc, I'm not a healthcare professional. I don't think I'm smart enough to come to your course. I'm like, if you're a human being and you can read, you can come to my courses because I'll say the same thing. Like, I don't care what you call the body part. I name different things all the time. I just want you to understand how they relate to each other. And everything that you have now with all these different names, it all came from original layers of tissue. They call them germinal layers, and I'll just go over them really fast. It's called endoderm, ectoderm, mesoderm. Those three different levels of tissue became everything that you are right now with all the other different names. And the ectoderm is something that I focus on because that is a system that certain tissues developed together. And if they develop together, they have a very, very close relationship to each other. So the ectoderm includes your skin. So your skin is part of your ectoderm. And the skin is probably the one major way that people get sensory input from the world around them so they know what's going on based Mm -hmm. on touch and temperature and all sorts of different stuff like that. So the skin is part of that. Your brain, your nervous system is part of the ectoderm. Mm -hmm. And your enteric nervous system isn't part of that, your gut. So those three came from the same tissue layers together. That's the gut that from your throat all the way down to your anus, the gut, and then that is your brain and your skin. So what does that mean in my world? That means this, is that if you have a gut problem, it can manifest as skin issues, and it does all the time because they come from the same developmental tissue. So gut issues manifest in the skin all the time. You see it with acne, things like that, especially around the face. And then if you have a gut problem, you will have a brain problem, usually some type of neuroinflammation in the brain 
or you'll get a degenerative neurological disorder, like we'll get into later. But they'll say that Alzheimer's and Parkinson's and all that stuff starts in the gut way before mm -hmm. it manifests in the brain. So brain problems that are chronic like that are gut yeah. problems. And then it can go the other way around. Brain problems can influence the gut. So I know that if I have skin issues, I'm probably dealing with an underlying gut issue. If I'm dealing with an underlying gut issue, I'm probably dealing with an underlying brain issue at the same time. So when I see unhealthy skin, I'm thinking unhealthy brain, unhealthy gut. So when you say brain issue, and obviously there are chronic issues like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's stuff, could it be down to something just as simple as stress? Is that a brain issue? Yeah, I'm just talking about like brain inflammation. They call that right. neuroinflammation. And yeah. you know, that's very prevalent in the world today, chronic inflammation. They mm. call it invisible inflammation because it resides in your body for years, if not decades, and you don't re you don't realize it's there until you all of a sudden wake up with a autoimmune disease or you slowly start to deteriorate and you get tiredness, fatigue, lethargy, brain fog, all sorts of different things like that. So you get a lot of toxicity in the in the brain mm -hmm. at the same time as from the gut. And what's interesting is that when when you look at the brain and you look at movement, we use sensory input that comes into the body to help us orient ourselves in the world, in the environment. So sensory input is like smell, sight, sound, touch, right? So that's why if touch on the skin is such a powerful way to help heal somebody, but also orient you to, okay, don't touch that hot stove again. So you learn through sensory input and yeah. sensory input is what drives motor output, which means you're only going to move as well as that you can sense the world around you and inside of you. They call that exteroception. Exteroception is the outside world. Interoception will be your inside sense of self that way. And then once, if you get more accurate sensory information, then you have more reliable data to orient yourself in the world because you can sense more, you can sense different, you can feel different. So you have more information to work with. Does that make sense? Right? Yeah. So that's yeah. why sensory input is so great. That's why taking your shoes off and going with bare feet, it changes how you move and it changes your brain and it makes you more stable because you get a lot of sensory input from the ground into your whole body and into your brain when you take the shoes off because you can feel things more. So that's why touch is such a powerful therapeutic tool. But what's interesting is that when you look at sensory input, the enteric nervous system, which is going to be from your throat, your mouth, all the way down to your anus, that's the largest surface area of the body exposed to the outside world is from the enteric nervous system, not your skin. I mean, it's by far more of your body is exposed to the world through your gut than anything else. So that's how you can influence your nervous system and then you can influence movement so much more by what you do with your enteric nervous system, which is your, your gut. So in my world, that's why working with your, your abdomen or your organs or your stomach or your lungs or your throat mm. makes a huge difference on um, your pain and how you move. And think about this for a second. Like, what you stick in your mouth 
right? For food. That's the only thing that your brain has to work with in order, your body has to work with in order to give you the nutrients that you need, you need to create new cells and regenerate old ones. Like that's it. Yeah. So what you put in there really freaking matters. So you, you got to make sure that first of all, you're actually putting something in there because a lot of people just don't eat and then yeah. they, they starve and they don't give themselves enough fuel. Which is something uh, worth discovering, they'll, right, James? Yeah, yeah, massively. Yeah, we we talked about this offline. We're see, we're seeing two sides of the spectrum: people who are chronically undereating or people who are chronically overeating. Uh, both sexes. And there's no moderation in the middle, like always. Well, wow, that's that's a very common one. I did the overeating one for myself most of my life because I came from the world of bodybuilding, and I've been pushing iron since I was 14 years old. And I've come from a golden era. Like I grew mm -hmm. up in the 80s when was, bodybuilding was just all about at that time I and mean, calories 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 and all these sorts of different things and then i i was eating six seven eight times a day Ooh. even when i didn't want to eat because as a bodybuilder you're always mm. told don't skip a meal or you're going to lose all your muscle right <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> so you, you need to feed the engine and at the time i really wasn't worried about the caliber of the ca uh, calories i just wanted a lot of calories so they were junk calories and at the time for me there was those, those atro atrocious shakes that they mm -hmm. used to make then yeah so i overate most of my life which was feeding my inflammation that's why when you guys listen to my podcast that i did with dave asprey just when i got my autoimmune disease about five years ago that's when i ventured into intermittent fasting which is where i would go about 16 hours without any food which was very hard for me to do mentally because I'm so clicked off that every three hours I have to eat something whether I want to or not. And once I got over the psychological aspect of that, it was transformational in relationship to me for what I needed at the time in relationship to that. And then, you know, I never looked back. But then you also have the opposite of where people are uh, restricting calories so much that they don't have the, the basic amount of fuel that they need for their body to just function. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Perry, I, I got a, I got a question. Just like, talk about you know real world examples now of of the skin gut connection, and I'm going to give one example for me personally, and then yeah. something I know we've, I'm working with one of our clients with at the moment. So I'll give an example today. I have like really flaky skin around my mustache, and I know I know what I get this from. It's I have an intolerance to dairy, tomatoes, and uh, wheat. And mm. I stuff my face with pizza on the weekend. <laughs> that's, that's it. And then two, three days later, you know, it flares up around this. Can you tell the listeners a little bit more about why it flares up around the face and like certain things and telltale signs you can tell when you look at someone's face? You, you, you introduced me to this idea a few years ago, but I think it'd be good to come from you to say, look, key telltale real word signs of there might be something to do with your gut that's impacting you with your skin and you need to do something about it. Yeah, that's that's a great one. I'd, I'd love to. This one I really get excited about. I, I want to preface it to say that I've studied a lot of different disciplines over the years from Eastern medicine and Western medicine. So I do a lot of things also in Ayurvedic medicine. They all complement each other quite well, right? And you can see manifestations of irritations in the body, especially from an Eastern medicine perspective around on the skin but particularly around the face so the the face reveals 
depending on the location on the face, possible irritations in organ systems of your body. And whenever you have an irritation to a particular organ system, it can reflex back and cause irritation on the corresponding location on the face. And it can manifest as like a rash, redness, uh, like acne. Actually, you can get growths there like moles. You can get deep lines, wrinkles. All things will begin to manifest around an area when you have an irritation. And I noticed that first for me, which is kind of a cool story. It'll, it'll sort of relate to yours is that when I started to get the autoimmune disease, I began to notice that I started to have a lot of redness and rash and cracking in the corners of my mouth on either side. And then people started to comment for me in pictures about, are you wearing lipstick, Doc? Because (laughs) my lips were really red, like cherry red. And I'm like, holy cow, it does look like I'm wearing lipstick you know and i was like why why would that be and when you look at it from a traditional standpoint the cracking in the corners of the mouth it typically means you might be low on your vitamin b's right and that was the case for me but you'll see also vitamin the vitamin b's are going to be a, an absorption issue because you got irritation in your gut so you can't absorb the b vitamins so when i began to look at it i noticed that when you look at what they call facial diagnosis the the top of lip relates to stomach issues the bottom lip relates to small intestine issues and the corners of the mouth relate to what they call the duodenum or duodenum depending on your how you like to say it and then that's where your stomach joins into the intestines. And for me, I was having underlying inflammation in all of those regions for me, and it was manifesting itself around my mouth. So you were getting a lot of that for you because Mm -hmm. that whole area above that mustache line and around the mouth, that's all gut related issues. So I know if I see somebody who gets cold sores, I say, is that the top lip or the bottom lip? Where is it located, right? And then, mm-hmm. so that, it's the possible sign, right? So that's mm-hmm. when you go and then you start to ask questions like, okay, what is your history like? Do you, now you just do other stuff about the digestive system. Do you have constipation? Do you have diarrhea? Do you get gas? Do you have any history of things like this? A high use of antibiotic use in the past usually shows up for somebody. And then, because that'll just ravage your gut. And then the antibiotic use will also, when it ravages your gut, it, it makes its way up and it ravages the brain. So all of those things will come back and, and manifest is, okay, now I'm starting to get a picture together and the body is showing me. And what's interesting for me is that I had a lot of extremely low amount of stomach acid, low amount of acid and its ability to break down foods. So you put, you eat things and then you swallow them, but just because you eat them doesn't mean your body is absorbing them. It has to break it down and then it's got to absorb it. But once it absorbs it, it has to metabolize it. So it's got to go through all those steps. And I tell people, just because you eat well, doesn't mean anything to me because it doesn't mean that you're absorbing it. And if you have low stomach acid, 
you're already screwed in the brain right from the get-go. Like <laughs> low stomach acid, you're never going to own your brain. I don't care what you do because you can't break down the nutrients that you're putting in your stomach to break that down. And here's the kicker, high stress, lower stomach acid. So when you're under a high amount of stress, you naturally shut down digestion because your brain says to itself, dude, you ain't got time to digest anything because you can't die right now. Too much stress. <laughs> so it shuts down digestion and it decreases stomach acid and it gets really, really low in that standpoint. And that's one of the things that leads to a lot of people getting chronic inflammation because when you can't break down that food, guess where the food stays? It stays inside of you and it putrefies and it rots and it ferments and you become highly acidic. You become highly inflamed and then you start to break down your body. And then people that starve themselves also put themselves under more stress because you're not giving your body what it needs to survive. So you're putting yourself under stress because you're not eating enough. If you eat too much, you're putting yourself under stress because now you don't have enough stomach acid to break down the extra food that you're putting into your system, right? So that's why one of the first fundamental things that I always try to assess on people is that how their stomach acid levels are and what their digestion history is like. And then I was like that for most of my life without realizing it, but my body was showing me these signs. And so when you know how to look for these places on the face, you can really start to spot possible things. I always joke around with people because you know how some people like to look at people's posture or look at their gait patterns when they're trying to help them figure stuff out. Like, yep. I don't look at that crap because that's low <laughs> on the totem pole for me. I'm going to look <laughs> at your face first. So I'm going to look at your face because your face is going to tell me what your organs are doing. And your organs are way more important than your gait pattern in relationship to that. Because I know if your organs have inflammation, it's going to change how you walk. Right? Does that make sense? So, yeah. if you've got inflammation in your gut or your intestines, it's going to change how you move your arms, going to change how you move your legs. So, I'm not saying that gait is not important. Of course, it's important. But in my world, it's not as, as important as the other ones because I'm inserting that into my hierarchy. So, gait for me is number eight on my list of one through nine because mm. gait is going to come down to like some musculoskeletal issues. It will be brain as well, but it's low down here. And then for me, I know gut sits up at number three. So if I'm going to look at your gait, I will look at your gait, but I'm also going to look at the organs. And I know when I put my treatment plan together, I'm going to say to myself, it's more important for me to get your gut online first that's going to make a bigger change to your gait pattern than me just going after your gait pattern. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Perry, so here's, here's just a very quick, because quick, this is one of the most common things I see, just me with friends, family, clients, stuff like that here now. So having seen and heard that, you, you tell me about this a few years ago, and I, I, I look at the same thing. I look at people's face and I look at the quality of their skin, you know, the, the color mm -hmm. in their skin, everything that goes with it. So with people, because this is very common, who have a rash around their mustache lip or down the sides of their nose, like flaky skin or like red rashes here, what's your advice to them? What would you ask them to do if they've never heard of this thing before uh, where was the irritation on their nose on, on, the, on, on, on the side down the sides of their nose and on the top lip, yeah like along the top lip yeah so when you're looking at the nose the bridge of the nose also relates to your stomach so 
usually and and so the the nose the bridge of the nose will relate to your stomach the tip of your nose a red nose tip like rudolph the red nose reindeer is heart so i know i need to look at heart issues there the corners of the nostrils where they flare it gets flaky or things right at the nostrils where the nostrils join the cheek that's bronchi that's lung and but here's the interesting thing in eastern medicine you got if you got gut problems stomach problems large intestine intestine problems you got lung problems those two systems always go together so i would always be looking at the digestive system at that standpoint and in my world it typically means usually two things not enough stomach acid in the system, low amounts of stomach acid. Number two, very low digestive enzymes, pancreatic enzymes in order to be able to break down food as well. So low stomach acid, low digestive enzymes in the system. So I'll usually start to have people begin to experiment with helping those and then see what changes. But you also have to keep in mind that, you know, they could be under so much stress in their life, and then that stress is causing the systems to shut down, right? I mean, because remember, when you're under stress, and you got so much in your life, you feel that knot in your stomach, that tension in your stomach, right? You just feel gutted, especially when you get something highly emotional for yourself, you know, you feel it right there. And then the emotional center in my work resides in the gut. So if you have a lot of trauma, a lot of shock in your system, for me, all shock and and trauma resides in the abdomen. That's where it goes. And then I'll look at that. And then I usually know they probably have to do some techniques to decrease stress, stress or do what we call vagus nerve stimulation, because the vagus nerve is the the primary nerve that connects the brain to the gut and the gut to the brain, that's the axis that these communicate with each other. And when you um, stimulate the vagus nerve, you actually increase the production of stomach acid. So vagus nerve stimulation increases stomach acid production. If if there's people at home who who can't do that themselves, they don't don't have access to people with the same knowledge as you, do you recommend techniques they can do themselves or maybe some type of supplementation? Yeah, well, the supplementation one is is usually pretty simple. Like I'll tell people, you can easily just start to try to take some of your digestive enzymes that you can purchase most anywhere. It's pancreatic enzymes that you got. And then if you start to take those, notice the differences that you feel. And then you can actually start to experiment uh, with taking some stomach acid. It's called hydrochloric acid, HCL, mm-hmm. that you can begin to do. But you have to be careful with that because there's a you never want to take more acid if you actually have an ulcer because it can irritate the ulcer. And you don't want to take it if you have an underlying infection called H. pylori. H. pylori, you don't want to take it, but you have that as well. So some people don't know, don't realize that they have that. So that's why I always tell them to first start off with um, the digestive enzymes because you should be okay either way when you take those. Mm-hmm. And then you can start to do some stuff for the vagus nerve. One of the best ways to stimulate the vagus nerve is, one, to start to breathe more from your diaphragm. Because when you breathe from your diaphragm, you move your organs. And when you move your organs, you actually stimulate the vagus nerve that way or you start to do abdominal massage you just start to massage around the abdomen like you would 
So you're like, oh, I like how should you massage it? Just like you massage your shoulder. It's just the same thing. It's just in your abdomen. It's no, no different. You just start to rub it any way you want, circles back and forth, up and down. And I tell people to put a little bit of a heat on the abdomen, you know, a nice hot water bottle on there, moist heat pack on there, anything on there for a few minutes and do a little bit of massage on there. That might be very helpful. Cool. But the, the big, biggest thing is for people is that the awareness, because I tell people you can't change something until you're aware of it. And that's, that's what I try to focus on here is that, okay, people not knowing this information and then now they become aware of it. And then knowing that, okay, now I've got some places that I can look or steps that I can take. Cause it's very hard for me to give individual personalized advice to people because everybody's different. There's no universal thing for everyone. And so I usually tell them, this is the biggest thing, is the awareness that it can be an issue. And then now you can go down the rabbit hole of figuring out what you might need to do about it. That's awesome. Well, I've, I've got to, sorry, Josh, can I, can I ask another question, Josh? Are you going to, you going to can pull I me just aside? say, just shut up, James, uh, before we go on to that, uh, do you reckon there's any, because I was going to uh, ask about the vagus nerve as well, but we've covered that, which is great. But is there any way we can put a, a link to any blogs or any, perhaps any videos and stuff, just so on the, on the podcast notes, just so people can get an idea of how best to uh, say, stimulate the vagus nerve, just, just to help people as much as we can. Is that possible guys? We can do it. Perry, have you got any good links you can send us? Well, I'm actually going to be putting the, uh, have a new course coming out this year on the Vegas nerve. Oh, there so, we go. Um, Look at that. So, I, I didn't uh, yeah. even know that. Because, <laughs> well, people have wanted to, you know, people are talking a lot about the Vegas nerve right now, and there's a lot of information out there. So I'm going to put something out and show people stuff they've probably never seen before because cool. they want to know what I do for people for the Vegas nerve. So I'm like, yeah. okay, well, I'll show you. And then you, know, you can do it to yourself. But I can, send you a link at least for now to the the viral video that i did on my instagram channel of how you can tape the vagus nerve yeah that'd uh, be helpful yeah do some kinesiology tape on the vagus nerve to at least start there and then um you know we we can send you more information about the course yeah that'd be definitely. Awesome. it's just because you know people out there are listening they're probably like what the hell is the vagus nerve i don't know where to start so i just want to try and help them as much as much as possible uh james crack on with whatever you yeah no it just it just ties into the second question because this is this is something that's popped up a couple of times recently with both clients and clients and their children so both examples are female um so let me pre um i'll prerequisite this now One's uh, late 30s, early 40s, and the other's a teenage girl, 14, 15. They're getting acne along the side of their jaw and down the side of their neck. So that, that's the first thing. You know, they're, they're getting like spots, you know, proper whiteheads down the side of their jawline. I think it's on the left side, they said, I think on both of them for some reason, and then mm -hmm. down the side of the neck. So we talked about the face and what happens around the face, but what about acne down the side of the jaw? And around here, does it relate to anything in Eastern medicine? Or what, what, what's your recommendations there, Perry? Well, the cheek itself, like redness around the cheeks, and it may go into the jaw, but you might be crossing over to a different system here. So I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. But the cheek itself is usually representative of underlying lung issues for people. And lung issues will always relate in my world to underlying gut issues. First thing I think of when I see that is probably an underlying candida infection, yeast yeah. infection somewhere in the body because you'll, you'll get redness around the cheeks 
is a telltale sign of two things, low stomach acid, honestly, and an underlying candida infection in the body. And candida starts in the gut most often. Candida is always in the system, that's yeast, but your immune system keeps it under control. But when you have low stomach acid, you're very prone to yeast overgrowth because you can't kill it. And so it usually creeps its way up and it makes its way into the lungs. I know because I had it there. But also when you get a lot of issues like that with the gut and the lungs, then you start to get compromised in your lymphatic system. So your lymphatic system, to me, in my hierarchy is number two. It sits above the gut. And the lymphatic system is the sewage system, detoxification system of your body. It's also a part of your immune system. And its job is to get rid of bad stuff, viruses, bacteria, parasites, fungus, metabolic waste, cellular waste, cancer, any bad stuff you don't want in your system that needs to get out. The lymphatic system is a big part of that. And most of your lymphatic system is in your gut. So if your gut becomes overloaded and overburdened, the lymphatic system becomes overloaded and overburdened, you get back up in your lymphatics. And then the, the pipes become clogged because basically you're just living in your own sewage waste. And then you, you can manifest that up in the head and the neck because one of the largest places you have lymphatics is from the neck up. So you've got huge amount that has to drain there in the neck and from the brain. So people that get stuck in the lymphatics at the neck, it'll start to manifest in the drainage points of that come down the side of the neck and up underneath the, uh, the jawline and in the face, because then you get backflow of lymph at the top. So the important lesson that I think people need to take away from here is it's never just one thing. And that's why it can become overwhelming and why a lot of people get lost because people don't put these systems together like I'm talking about here because, because very isolated. So this relates to this relates to that. And it's, it's really not as difficult as it sounds once you understand how the body systems work together. And then it's just, it's just finding that underlying piece. So if I find, like in this case for you, with these people here, you can't just rub stuff on the face and wash the face and assume it's going to fix it. It's not because it's not a face issue. It's not even an underlying skin issue. It's a deeper issue with the lymphatic system, a deeper issue with a digestive system, which will then manifest and work its way towards the hormonal system because most of the hormones in your body have to get synthesized through the liver and the liver dumps most of the lymph in your system as well. So if the liver becomes compromised, lymph becomes compromised. If lymph becomes compromised, then hormones become compromised. So it's just like step, 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 step. But it still comes down to the same underlying thing of, okay, what do you do first? In my world, knowing that I've got the hierarchy, right? So if in my world, if you came in to see me with that, I know that lymphatic is number two on my list of one through nine. So I would go after lymphatic stuff. And then I know gut is number three. So then I would go after gut stuff. And it would still come back to the same things that I told you about before of, okay, well, maybe they need stomach acid or digestive enzymes and things like that. Okay. So what I want people to walk away with is like anytime that you see stuff manifest on the skin or and yeah, on the skin, it's never just a skin issue. The skin is just revealing something that's deeper. 
And when you understand how important the role of the gut is, and then the gut's relationship to the brain, then that's why I, I, when I talk to people about nutrition, the first obligation of nutrition, first of all, is to stop eating like crap, right? <laughs> and then people say, well, what does that mean? You already know what it means, right? I, like I think Dan John put it nicely, stop eating like a TV commercial and a kid, grow up and eat like you're supposed to eat. Um, <laughs> and it's very straightforward. It's not, yeah. it's not rocket science, right? So you get that, but then you have to make sure that, okay, so stop putting the bad stuff in and then make sure that you can break down and absorb the stuff that you do put in, that you do put in. So I always come at it and think most people have a poorly functioning digestive system. Why? Because it's been neglected probably for most of their life because of the stuff that they've been putting into it. Or two, people are under so much stress all the time that they're shutting that system down. They're starting to break their, their system down through stress. Do you think issues like that are more prevalent nowadays? Or is it just that we know more? I don't think that we know more, honestly. <laughs> because <laughs> I think it's just becoming more, more prevalent from yeah. that one. Because, uh, see, here's the thing. that Most people are walking around with all this underlying inflammation in their system. They just don't know it. Yeah. And uh, that's called chronic chronic disease. Chronic disease is chronic inflammation. And we've just become accustomed to being a society that looks like crap and feels like crap. I'm tired, I'm fatigued, I'm lethargic, I've got this disease, I got that disease, and we just think it's normal. It's not normal. It's common, but it's not normal. You're not supposed to be falling apart. You're not supposed to be getting older bullshit. Like that's not supposed to happen when you get older. So if somebody tells you that, I always tell people, you need a new doctor. If they say that <laughs> yeah. it's just because you're getting older, you need to leave quick, fast, and hurry. <laughs> and it's just that now the pendulum is swinging. There's so much more stress in the world because of the pandemic and the, the social stress, mm -hmm. right? The, the social stress in and of itself is probably one of the things that's kicking off some of this underlying inflammation. So everything was already there. Yeah. And then you just put a magnifying glass and intensified it, yeah. right? And then now everything is starting to fall apart because it's like filling up a bucket full of water, right? I mean, we're all like really, really close to the top. And then with this lockdown and pandemic and stress and uncertainty and unknown, the bucket just began to overflow, right? Yeah, absolutely. But I think perhaps, well, maybe it's partly the people I follow on Twitter. I don't know. But I think maybe one thing this the pandemic has done is perhaps make people more aware of having a healthy microbiome and immune system. Because I'm seeing more and more people talk about how important the immune system is in terms of obviously fighting COVID and everything. And, you know, 80% of your immune system lives in the gut, right, Perry? Yeah, that's true. 70, 80% of your immune system resides in your gut. I mean, that is pretty fantastic if you think about that so if you have a gut issue you're going to have an immune system issue and if you have an immune system issue you're going to have an inflammation issue so you might want to really be cognizant of what kind of stuff you stick in your mouth yeah right that's going to be your fuel source for you absolutely so start reducing stress put better stuff in your mouth Maybe start looking at some, as you say, 
Uh, we'll share links on this, some uh, gut massage, daily movement, drink more water, perhaps take some enzymes, and then, and then you might start to be in a bit of a better place. Well, you know what, man? It's about basics and fundamentals, and I go back to that all the time. Like, how well you master the basics and the fundamentals mm-hmm. influences how well you do everything else after that. So what I'm trying, what I'm discovering in my world, and even in relationship to movement, is that people have forgotten or don't do the basics and the fundamentals. And they're doing all these other things, which is great. But if you've skipped those, those other things, you're not going to get the same results. And the case in point is this one. Like, I was joking before, but I'm not joking. Like, I don't care what you're trying to do to fix your brain. Mm. You can do all the brain activation drills you want. But if you have low stomach acid, you're only going to get so far because you can't overcome that block. Like, that's big. Like, if you miss that, 90% of the shit you do next ain't going to make any difference. That's what I want people to understand. And that's a basic and the fundamentals that most people don't know about. And it might not be, here's the thing, guys, it might not be an issue. And that's a good thing. It's, I call it a, a checklist. If you go on an airplane, you know that that airplane can't take off until the pilot goes through his checklist every single time it lands and every single time it needs to take off. It's got to do the checklist all the time. If everything on the list checks off, your likelihood of going down in flames decreases significantly, right? Even though you're like, oh, do I have to check this again? I just checked it. Yes, you do. Because if you miss it, things can go wrong. And it's the same thing. When people come in to see me, my exam is a checklist, a systems checklist exam, Mm. which means that you're going to have this, let's say you come in to see me and you've got this issue on your jaw, like you said, with the uh, down your your jaw and in your neck, or you've Mm -hmm. got chronic low back pain. I know in my world, I'm going to go through and I know I'm going to check off that checkbox on stomach acid to make sure it's not an issue. And if it's not, then I'm like, okay, awesome. Guess what? Then we don't have to worry about that as being a contributing factor to your issue. He's off to the side. Let me move to the next checkbox. But if it is an issue, that's pretty high up on the list, mm. right? That I'm okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna check that box and know we're gonna address that. And then my job when you leave, when you are in my office is to make sure all your boxes have been checked. And what's deceiving is is that people have issues with boxes where they're not feeling any symptoms. Which yeah, means yeah. that wh- what the hell are you checking my digestive enzymes for? I'm coming to see you for my low back. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> let me ask you a question. You've had six MRIs. You've had 15 weeks of therapy and this, this, this. How much better are you feeling? I'm not. Well, guess what I'm not going to do? Yeah. All of that <laughs> shit. Because if it's what you needed, you wouldn't be standing in front of me asking me for help. I'm going to look for the stuff that people don't think has anything whatsoever to do with your problem. And that's probably why you still have a problem. You need to go back and and start to, maybe you're asking the wrong question. So maybe it's, that's what I come at. I'm asking a different question. Could it be 
that this person's lower back hurts because they've got so much inflammation in their stomach and in their small intestines because they can't break down food and they've got a congestion of lymph. Might that irritation that's in the gut irritate the nerves along the spine that go to their lower back and down their leg? And you can bet your ass in my world it will because I know it will. And then that's where you don't go after the back. You go after the front. And that's what stop chasing pain means. Stop chasing pain means exactly what it sounds like. You treat pain, but you don't chase it. So that's why on my list of one through nine, nine is sight of pain. Nine is sight of pain, which to me is the least important information that you're giving me. It's just information of pain. But pain is the last thing you feel, not the first. And pain doesn't tell you what the problem is or where it is. It only tells you that you got a problem. So I know in my world, if you have a long-standing pain issue at number nine, it's impossible to have that unless you've had an issue with one through eight first. So I do both. I treat you at nine because you expect me to treat you at nine. But I also start at the top at number one. And number one is the brain. And I know that you can't help the brain unless you help uh, what at the same time, the gut. So does that make sense? So when you have to look at it like that, right? And then that's, that's what I've been trying to do for 23 years to just step back and think to myself, why is the body, why does the body do what it, there's gotta be a reason it's doing what it's doing. You're not there just to have me shut it down what it's doing. I need to try to understand what it's doing. And because there's a reason for it. And to me, the number one reason is it's doing what it's doing to protect you. It's doing what it's doing to overall try to save you and not have you die. And then once you know that, then you peel the puzzle back and you start to go step by step by step. Dude, it's interesting you say that because I've got a family member at the moment and I'll give an example. She's living in chronic pain. has been for a long, long time. Gone to see every doctor under the sun. They they all just MRI scans. You name it, nothing going on. And she's also somebody that you can't really have a conversation with and say, "Hey, maybe it's your gut or the way you're eating." But she has chronic nerve pain up and down her fingers, chronic stomach cramps all the time. This is she's in her mid fifties, late fifties, early sixties, I think. How do you get across to somebody? Because you said before they expect you to do something different to what you're actually going to look at them. How do you, how do you work with somebody who's like that? And what's the first steps for maybe someone to help them to get the right help that they need? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I'll be honest with you. I kind of have a luxury in, in my world where I'm never the first person people go see. I'm usually the last person mm-hmm. that they go see. So, you know, people have tried the traditional approaches and traditional routes and stuff like that. And because they work too, right? I mean, the the therapies that are out there in the world of medicine, they do a lot of great things for people and they help a lot of people too, right? And so you're going to go and try to do what is supposed to work. And then if it works, well, then that's awesome. Thumbs up everything's great. And then hopefully you won't have to worry about it again. Or if it comes back, you know, you may have to go and you just get caught in this loop. But when those things no longer work and you're still suffering and you've lost hope, you open your mind up to things that are a little bit more crazy <laughs> because mm-hmm. you're like, the, nor- what? the normal ain't working. 
there's got to be something else and I'm missing here. So then your suffering has a way of kicking off uh, being open to different things. And by the time somebody comes in to see me, you already know you're not getting what you've typically gotten at that yeah. standpoint. And, and it doesn't mean I'm going to be able to fix you either. Like sometimes things are beyond a point and things just get broken and you can't fix them. Or you you can bring somebody back to a certain point. Uh, I also have to keep them grounded in being some uh, realistic at the same time. But you can typically make an improvement in some way, shape, or form in their quality of life so they're not suffering as much. Or, if anything, give them the, the mental strength to know that they're not crazy and that there was something else that they could have done or looked at. Uh, to do. And so when people, when I have people like that, I just go through the same kind of process and I show them my list of how things kind of come together. And then it's pretty straightforward with, with my work where I tell them this is like, wherever I touch on you, it's not supposed to hurt. That's what I tell them. And then when I touch them, everything hurts. And so they already know that they're dealing with some issue. And then here's the thing. I'm usually touching on and pressing on areas that most people haven't touched on because it, it wasn't where their pain was. So for instance, you know, the person who has the uh, low back pain, right? Like it really hurts in the lower back. So I'll start there, but I'll usually turn you over and then I'm going to press on your abdomen. And then they're, they're usually really, really shocked at how much it hurts mm-hmm. in the abdomen. Yeah. And here's the thing that here's the takeaway. They didn't know that it hurt. Because they only knew that the back hurt. They didn't know that the front hurt. And, and that's, that's kind of my approach in my musculoskeletal approach, where I do what's called an awareness exam. And an awareness exam is more for you than it is for me. And that's for you to really become aware of, holy crap, I never knew this many parts of my body hurt, right? Like, uh, so because you never knew it because you were just so focused on the one area that hasn't been leaving you alone, right? That that's all you focus on. And what I'm concerned with that I find is the answer is that I'm going to go after the pain that you didn't know about. And that's one of the things that I teach people is, and with my approach is, is that I, we go after and we help the pain that you didn't know about to alleviate the pain that won't leave you alone. Because usually that's going to be the underlying driver. Because your brain, your brain is anything. Your brain can only pay attention to one pain at a time. It doesn't feel too. You can't focus on two pains at the same time. It's one or the other. It'll seem like it's the same time because it's so fast between the two, but it has a priority system in relationship to the pain. So very often is that if you've had a lot of say, uh, let's say you got chronic pain in the middle of your back, and then that's all you focus on because it hurts all the time, right? And then you can, you can get this dysfunctional loop. This it's called a sensitization loop where it now just becomes painful all the time because you get caught in that pain loop. So part of the way that I can break that is to give you is to look for pain somewhere else that's even more intense. And usually you'll find that in the opposite side. So people that have a lot of problems in the middle of the back, first of all, mid back problems usually are stomach problems because stomach nerves are in the mid back and they go to the stomach. So people who have back again to low stomach acid digestive disease usually have a lot of mid-back pain all the time. Mm-hmm. But I'll go and then I'll stick my fingers right in the front of your sternum, right in your breastbone. 
and then it, it, people will be in agony. They'll be like, holy crap, that's the worst it. pain I've ever felt in my life. I remember you doing and, that to me, Perry. Thanks. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That's how I introduced myself to everyone. Hey, how you doing? I'm Perry. And I got right to the turn. <laughs> I don't do handshakes anymore. But it, here's the thing that you need to know is that you didn't consciously know that that area hurt, right? Mm-hmm. But my joke is, is that your brain has always known that it hurts subconsciously, non-consciously. You just didn't consciously perceive it. And I want you to think about this just for a moment. If your brain subconsciously knows that that sternum is excruciatingly painful, it will do anything and everything to try to protect that region for you. And it will alter how you move. It will alter how you breathe. It will alter so many different things to protect it. And you may manifest it somewhere else, the protection response, which will usually be in between the shoulder blades. So if I treat the pain that you didn't know about and I make that feel better, then the pain that you did know about all of a sudden starts to go away. And I know most people will have had their mid-back treated like crazy, you know, adjusted, manipulated, massage, laser, ultrasound, whatever, like all these sorts of things there. And it's still hurting. So in my world, that's freaking ridiculous in my world. Like the body, if that's the right answer, you should be feeling better. And if it's not, it's probably not it. I'm just going to go somewhere completely different. And in my world, it's usually I'll just make the easiest one. I'll just go to the same exact place on the opposite side of the body. And I'll usually find my answer. But if it's not there, I'm just going to check the box, right? And you're like, Doc, I thought you'd said the sternum was the biggest cause of my back pain. Uh, it's <laughs> a, It's a possibility. It's not the possibility. So I'm going to check that box and then guess where? I'm going to start to press somewhere else and look for it. And it could be anywhere. It could be anywhere. So my my awareness exam is I'm going to look for the places that are so painful on you that you had no freaking idea hurt. That's where I treat. I'm just I'm just rubbing my sternum off to the, as you, as on me or as you're looking at me to the right hand side and the left hand side of my body. My god, it's painful along there. I've been rubbing as you've been talking then, Perry. <laughs> Yeah, that's one of the most powerful places neurologically for your brain is the center of your sternum. Because first of all, your heart sits there. That's your energy, your heart chakra, your energy chakra that sits right there. And uh, huge, huge player. It's in in between uh, the ribs and the left hand side. It's like, oh, I'm just rubbing out. Well, that's some of the stuff. That's actually, I've got a few new courses launching next year. And one of them is on um, freeing up emotional blocks to movement and stress chronic stress on people so that that's one of the places that we teach to look as the front of the body mm-hmm. you'll see that uh it's just a self-protective response from your your survival nervous system to do whatever it can to protect the front of the body in order to protect the front of the body it sacrifices the back of the body cool. yeah, yes it is emotional responses uh perry i've seen like and I've seen some of your videos where you've treated, uh, done some gut manipulations on people, and they've had some pretty intense responses to that. Yeah, well, it can be, you know, based on my work of studying. It's really interesting because in Eastern medicine, you, you'll see that the abdomen is uh, the seat of emotion, where emotion mm-hmm. goes. That's kind of like your energy point. But it's also that way in osteopathic medicine because there's a lot of um, what's it called, ganglia or clusters of nerves that gather together. They call them ganglia. 
And that's one of the places that the three big ganglia of nerves come together in the abdomen. And that's the neurological reason why I can be so, so sensitive. Right. And mm. when, when you go in there and you begin to release in that region, you can actually free up a lot of trauma, a lot of shock to the system that's been residing there. And then people can't, they can't control it. But yeah. when, when you get it and you release it, it's something that you can't stop. And uh, it's very, very, very powerful that that area between the between the bottom of the sternum and your navel is some of the most important regions of the body in relationship to uh, healing. It just yeah. so happens to be the enteric nervous system. Yeah, the, exactly. Because I'm sure at one time or another, people, everyone out there will have felt the old butterflies in their stomach. Mm-hmm. Or you know, or talk about gut instinct. Well, that's, that's why a lot of uh, right that's emotion exactly lies right in is. there, man. You feel it. You know, you that you always got that. You know, the slang terms. I feel like I got kicked in the gut, right? Yeah. And you just you, you get doubled over in grief when you feel overwhelmed and you feel like the world is coming for you and you can't run away. What position do you naturally go into? Fetal. Yes, you you curl up into to protection mode, and yep. you, you guys both know this even from fighting with martial arts. Like your your first instinct is to curl into a ball, protect the vital organs, and protect mm-hmm. your head. Yep. So that right there should tell you something already about. So think about this for a moment. Your brain already is telling you the answer. It says this. In order for you to protect the front of the body, I'm going to sacrifice the back of your body, which means that if you're on the ground and people are kicking you, they're kicking you in the back and you're protecting the front. So I've just extrapolated that out to pain. So in my world, it means this. Your brain says to itself, I'm going to hurt your back and it's going to suck, but (laughs) I'm doing it because I need to protect your front. Because I know you can deal with the one. I know you can deal with the back, but that's not the great, front. Yeah. That's a great way to think. I, ne- I never thought of it like that before. That's a really <sighs> interesting cool. way to to think about that. Yeah. Uh, so I just think like the I think like the body thinks and thinks like the the brain and of of why it's doing what it's doing. And when you study pain, guys, you know that pain is for one reason. It's not to make your life miserable, full of suffering. Pain is always a form of protection. And once you understand that, then you have to say, okay, protection from what? Absolutely. And then you just keep, you keep going deeper and you keep going, you keep, you keep going deeper. So that's why my work is more devoted to areas. Listen, people already know where it freaking hurts when they come in to see you. And my friend Greg Cook says, they already know where it hurts. You just gave it a Latin name. That's all you did. Yeah. Which means, oh, your biceps brachii, triceps, you know, whatever. You just gave us some big fancy name. And I'm going to go back and say, oh, yo, you mean your, uh, you mean your blow dryer hurts, right? Like the same arbitrary BS names. They don't mean anything. So they already know where it hurts. And treating where it hurts ain't hard. Like my grandmother can treat where it hurts. She can rub Ben Gay on there and take a shot of Jack Daniels and she'll probably feel a little bit better. But you need to figure out like why it is what it is, right? That's so that's the thought process of where it comes into play. And I firmly believe that when people come in to see me, they're not coming to see me for my therapy. They're coming to see me for the way that I think. 
That's what you're coming to see me for. You're not coming to see me for my therapy. You are in a way because my therapy is based on what? How I think. I, I think you're a wizard, Perry. That's what I think. He blow my mind again today as well. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I get, really, I get really emotional about these mm. things because I've been through a lot personally in my life. And I, the world has attracted, uh, sent a lot of people to me who seem to be going through a lot of the same thing. And my, my own suffering and my journey have taught me lessons that I've been blessed to be able to share with others and hopefully being able to help them. I'm, I'm always trying to learn. I don't have all of the answers, but I can tell you the one thing that gives me the most joy is really trying to understand the, the body and see why it's doing what it's doing and finding that answer and not coming from a point of just attacking whatever strategy it's using to protect itself. Cool. Well, you've, uh, like I said at the start, you've certainly had uh, an impact and influence on uh, James and I. That's for, for sure. And I said, I'm, I'm going to. I don't know how much I said wizard from now on, mate. Well, I don't know how much I said that they made any sense to anyone. But, um, we had a great time. Peek inside it's, it's how been, I think. Yeah, it's been epic. I didn't have to talk much, and I love it when podcasts happen like that. It's great. <laughs> no, it's been great. Like well, I, yeah, you know, yeah. it's been. On so many different levels. Thanks, Perry. Like, it blew my mind again. Like, uh, it's been, yeah, like every time I learn something new from you and today, I've learned something. Yeah, lots of things. I think that's the best way to describe it. I need to digest it myself. With my, my digestive enzymes. To this podcast numerous times over, I think. To take well, yeah, on. you picked a good word there. Just digest it. Make sure you take your enzymes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. If, if, uh, if you are a... Uh, a human being out there, uh, as Perry said, listening to this, you better start following him. Uh, stopchasingpain.com. Are you Stop Chasing Pain on Instagram as well? Yeah, pretty yeah. much anywhere you go and type in Stop Chasing Pain, that'll be, <laughs> that'll be me. Fantastic. Guys, uh, it's been awesome. I will speak to you uh, when we sign off in a moment. Uh, any last words, James? No, thanks, Perry. A wizard as ever. Thank you, guys. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, I thank appreciate you guys. it. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, us, us too, us too. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Until next time. Want more fitness secrets? Want to see the very best that Strength Matters has to offer? If so, then go start your free seven-day coaching experience at strengthmatters.com today. Our expert coaches will take you through the assessment process and help you put a workable plan into action. Together, we will finally uncover what's holding you back and put you on the path to success. Start your free seven-day coaching experience today. Visit www.strengthmatters.com to get started.